0: Who likes character building? Good, you're all being honest this morning. How many of you are perfect? One hand in the back. Some are like, eh, pretty close. I'm sure there's a few of you watching online that are putting your hands up just because you can and no one's watching. But no, I'm not perfect either, so that's good. How many of you wish you were perfect? Perfect. Some days it would be nice, eh? No more mistakes. No more sin. No need to repent or ask forgiveness. No more causing or taking offense. <clears throat> no more selfishness. No pride. No more bad attitudes. No more thinking the worst about other people. No more temptation. No more gossip. Life would be so easy if we were perfect, right? It wouldn't be a struggle to love the unlovely. Patience wouldn't be an attribute that we have to strive for. Self-control would come naturally. To the ones around us that are not perfect, our response to their shortcomings would be one of complete understanding and compassion. we would always know exactly what to say and when to say it. No more foot and mouth disease. (laughs) For me, that's a big one. I would be very happy with that if I never said the wrong thing at the right time. Can you imagine? The moment we were born again, we all became perfect? Well, that's not the case, right? We know that. In fact, Jesus instructs his disciples in Matthew 5, 48, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. If Jesus has to give instruction about something, that tells me that it doesn't happen automatically. Right? If we were instantly perfect the moment moment we were born again, Jesus wouldn't have to tell us. It means we have to do something about it. So why didn't God need our or pardon me why didn't God perfect our minds and our flesh immediately? Why did he leave that up to us? Why do we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? Well, it's because what we would miss out on Right? And a few things that we would miss out on if we were immediately perfect. We would miss out on relationship. Character building is a relationship, it's not instant, it's a process. God doesn't want robots in his kingdom. Right? He didn't create man so that he could say, look at all those little things running around doing exactly what I tell them to. He created man so that he could have friendship. He created you and me to have relationship. He's willing to put up with our shortcomings in order to experience the joy of that relationship. He's willing to work with us and in us to bring us to maturity. That's why he made us with the ability to choose. It was his desire to have fellowship and friendship When God started this thing called creation, he first created a suitable environment, and then he created mankind in his own likeness. He did this because he wanted someone to talk to. He wanted a friend. All throughout history, that has been his primary objective. Even after Adam and Eve sinned, God's desire has been for his people. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus was the ransom for a world held captive by sin. God is the God of life. He's the God of creativity, the God of growth. Just as he formed us in our mother's womb, he loves to transform us step by step, day by day, into the perfect image of Christ. Instant perfection would cause us to resemble robots. Right? Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 talks about God rejoicing over his people with joy and with singing. And that was before Jesus came to bring salvation. Too often in our society and sadly in the church, we sing and rejoice over our robots. And complain about our relationships. Kelly was talking about serving mammon. Or serving God. Do we worship what we have or do we worship the giver? Right? It's time to get our priorities and our affections in proper order. Number two, we would miss out on grace. Immediate perfection would override our need for the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we were perfect, we would not acknowledge our dependence on God and our need of him in our lives. And we would soon become unperfect. (laughs) Our prayers would be like that of the Pharisee who stood up and prayed about himself saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not a robber. I'm not an adulterer. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I don't lie. I'm not like this tax collector over here. That would be our prayers. It is the fact that the sinful nature still influences our thoughts and actions that reminds us of our dependence on God's mercy and grace. Paul said, I will boast in Christ and him crucified. For in my weakness, I am strong. Because of God's grace, I am strong. Number three, we would miss out on joy. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith Develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Some people would say, what kind of mixed up logic is this? Trials are joyful. What box did you come out of? Right? It goes right along with 1 Thessalonians 5.18 where Paul says, Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will for us to be thankful. Not for the problems, but in the problems. Why? Because he's there. His promise hasn't changed because we face a problem. His faithfulness hasn't diminished One little bit, because we face a problem. In fact, it is in that problem that we recognize and appreciate God's faithfulness. It is the testing of our faith that builds perseverance. Giving thanks and and rejoicing in tribulation. It is what we are called to. It doesn't say be happy about it. It says, consider it joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. When we face trials, when we face trouble, it's an opportunity for Holy Spirit to perfect us. To give us that joy that we so flippantly throw away because something doesn't go our way. Right? Hang on. Hang on to it. Some would say only a fool would be happy in a bad situation. Well, any fool can complain about their problems, and most do. It takes character to look at the big picture and see the situation in God's hands. It takes maturity to see the opportunity for growth. It takes relationship to trust God. It takes humility and grace to apply the lessons to your own life. Something else that struck me. We're not the only ones who get joy out of growing. Right? Our Father takes joy in our growing. Amen? Amen. Our Father loves to see us mature. I don't know any moms who have had children and wish that they were instantly full-grown and mature. <laughs> I haven't met one yet. Maybe there are. <laughs> <laughs> Some days you, w- you wonder, right? But it's the process. We enjoy teaching our children... Right, Dads enjoy teaching their kids how to ride a bike. Right? Drive a car. Build something. How to use a hammer and not get blue thumbs. It's a process. It's growing. And there's joy in the teaching. There's joy in watching them grow. There's joy in seeing them mature. Absolutely. But... That's just one step. All this other joy we miss if we go instantly into perfection. We miss the character building. We miss what God is doing. And God misses what is happening in our lives. That's why he says, consider it pure joy. Don't complain when you go through stuff. Think of it as a learning opportunity. Think of it as character building. I'm becoming more like Christ through this. There are aspects of the character of Christ that are missing from our lives. As we go through situations that are discouraging, painful, or uncomfortable, we get to develop our character. When we are tempted we get to practice self-control. When there are relationship conflicts, we get to show love and gentleness. When there's turmoil, we have peace. When there's a need in our sphere of influence, we get to practice kindness and goodness. Whatever the situation, we have the opportunity to portray the fruit of the Spirit. Keep in mind the following character-building situations. Consider them as joyful opportunities. Number one, trials. Trials are temptations, persecutions, and circumstances. These are things that come at us from Satan, the world around us, and life in general. Or our own fleshly desires. But know this, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ. Right? When we are tempted God has already provided a way out. Right? Sometimes he says run. Sometimes he says resist. And it's wisdom to know which is which. Flee youthful lusts. Resist the devil. Know the difference. Is this my flesh wanting something? Run. Run. Is it the devil trying to get me in trouble? Stand on the word and resist. Submit to God. Submit to your heart first of all. Father, I want to do what's right in your eyes. Show me what is right in your eyes. Find it in the word of God. Does God allow us to go around beating up our neighbors? I don't see it. That would be a temptation that we need to resist. Walk in love towards each other, right? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, according to Romans 8.31. Number two, pruning. John 15, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit gets cut off, while every branch that bears fruit gets pruned, so that it will be even more fruitful. We all go through times of trimming and pruning. In order for Christ to be glorified in us, there will be times of cutting away the things that are not fruitful. Some things are dead branches, things from our past that we haven't let go of. Some things are suckers that sap the life out of us. Other things that divert our attention and our energy. Not all of them are bad or wrong, but not every good thing is a God thing right there's things that are good that we get involved with that are just taking our time and our energy away from what God has called us to and that's what we need to get cleaned up and sometimes that hurts when we have to say oh okay i got to stop i got to cut that off you know or you got hurt from a past relationship that just won't leave you alone or you won't let go of it and god is saying you know what it's time It's time to clean that up because that's hindering you from growing. And he gets his scalpel, his word, and he gently, carefully cuts away exactly what needs to be removed. And it hurts for a while, but then it can heal. It can heal. Number three. Refining the fire, the pressure. Psalm 139 verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. David's crying out to God, Purify me, make me that person that I need to be. Prove me. Make my heart true. Steel is tempered by fire. It is a process that strengthens the metal in order to withstand the pressure and the strain that will be applied to it during normal use. You ever had a shovel, a spade? You put too much pressure on it, it snaps. And then you get another one that it doesn't matter what you do to it, it never seems to fail. One was properly tempered, the other was not. Gold and silver, precious metals, they're purified by fire in order to increase their value and appeal. Impurities and flaws, pardon me, diminish the attractiveness and apparent value We have inherent value because we're created by God in his image. It doesn't always appear that way to those around us, right? We are God's light in this world, and we need to shine brightly. But sometimes there's junk that gets in the way. So God needs to purify so that light can come out. So we can be that example. that We can be that attractive, appealing example to the world of what Jesus is really like. Right? We need to be purified. And sometimes it hurts. But it's for our own good. And it's for the Father's glory. Pottery is useless until it's been through the fire. If it doesn't get fired, it won't hold water. It'll fall apart if it's not handled properly, carefully. Precious gems are formed by heat and pressure. Then they're removed from their beds, cut, shaped, and polished before they're presented to the public. Anything that we consider valuable in our society goes through a process of purification, And testing, right? If it doesn't, we don't buy it because we recognize junk. Our lives are valuable, and God wants them to be perfect and polished so that when people look at us, they see Jesus. They see the goodness of God in us. They see the light that should be shining forth from us. Perfection in Christ is our goal. Sometimes we get too focused on the end result and we get discouraged when we fall short. Right? Jesus says, be perfect. Oh, but I blew it again. I blew it again. And then Satan comes, yeah, you're just a sinner anyways. Right? You're no good. It is possible for us to be perfect, otherwise Jesus wouldn't have said it. He calls us to a higher standard by grace, not by our own works. And he empowers us to reach that goal by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we allow circumstances Satan's lies and our own imperfections to discourage us from pressing on, we begin to make excuses for why we fall short. Right? I'm just a poor sinner. That's all. It's the best I can expect. That's a lie. We are saved by grace. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's right. right? Jesus says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. How are we supposed to be perfect? Perfect. By allowing Holy Spirit to work in us and perfect us and grow our character. We need to grab ourselves by our praise and get our focus back where it belongs. Right? We all mess up from time to time. But we need to say, okay, recognize, yep, that was the whoops. Father, thank you that you are working in me, and through Christ, I am all that you called me to be. By the grace of God, I am achieving every goal that you set for me. And get our lives back on track. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Not on our problems, not on our failures, not on our mistakes. Fix your eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith. My faith isn't perfected by my own good works. It's perfected by the work of the Holy Spirit, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus faced a few things. He went through some trials, right? But he kept his focus on God's promise, and he overcame, and he was rewarded, right? When we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we follow and allow him to build our faith and perfect us in his image, we too will be rewarded. There's a crown of righteousness prepared for all of us, right? Al taught a great message last week about overcoming disappointment, He said, if you truly, completely trust in Jesus, you will never experience disappointment. We will face stuff, but as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, we will see it as an opportunity to grow, an opportunity for God to work on our behalf, right? to show himself strong. God is with you. He is for you. He is more than able to turn your situation around. Our perspective, our focus is the key. And joy is in the journey. A perfect, holy God extending his grace to help us grow and mature and reflect his glory. Are you kidding? We're unstoppable. We're unstoppable, church. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's take joy in the process. Be joyful in what God's doing. In the character building. It's not always fun. Trust me, I've had a few this week where I'm like, "Ah." and then, as he so often does, Holy Spirit sounds a lot like my wife. And says, suck it up, let's go. Move on. Get over it. It's a setback. It's not a life sentence. Right? God is with us and God is for us. We cannot be moved. Father God, I thank you for this word that you've given this morning. I thank you that you are with us, that you rejoice over us with singing and with joy and you love to watch us grow. So, Father God, help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Help us to see the joy in what you're doing for us and in us. Cause us to be that light shining brightly for you, that all men would see your goodness and your glory and give praise and seek after you because of what they see in us. We love you, Father. We submit ourselves into your loving hands to perfect us according to the work of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.